Thank you for listening. Are we there yet? Every parent that has taken their child on a car trip has heard these words. For a child, the road can seem endless, endlessly boring, endlessly tiresome, and impatient for whatever fun awaits them at the end of the journey. But that question is one that adults ask also. But the adult version is a little different. They ask, how long? We have heard these or used them ourselves. How long till I meet someone special? How long till I get out of school? How long until the baby is born? How long until I can be promoted? But not all of the how long questions anticipate good things. How long do I have to live? Almost every person that has faced a diagnosis of cancer has asked that question. How long do I have? But all of the how long questions are very personal. It is a question that reflects our personal situation, our specific hopes and dreams, our individual needs and personal concerns and fears. But who has the answers to these questions? We have a pretty good idea about how long it takes for a baby to arrive, but just ask an expected mother who is in her last month. She wants to know. The person most in the know, the doctor, usually can only give a rough guess. It does not matter, or at least it does not matter to the anxious mother what the average or usual gestation period is for a baby. She wants to know about her and her child. It is very personal. We all need to ask at some moment in our lives the how long question, but where can we go for the answers? The doctors and surgeons, they don't know. The lawyers and bankers, they don't know. The teachers and politicians and judges don't know. They all have questions of their own. What about the king? Well, let me tell you about one king. King David of Israel lived about 3,000 years ago. There are some things that are unique about the life, reign, and record of King David. There is more information about and from David than any other person in the Bible save Jesus himself. He is one of the few people that is described in the Bible. He was physically attractive with, as it reads, beautiful eyes. And we have his very personal thoughts recorded in the Psalms. But who was he? Some see the young, handsome shepherd boy tending his flock in a green meadow, writing down poetry under a tree. Some see a brave young man facing a huge warrior and seasoned killer in Goliath. But most of his life was spent in other pursuits. He was a husband and father, but his home life brought him some of the worst of his heartache. He was a friend, but the friendship also came with heartbreak when Jonathan was killed in battle. David was a war leader and fighter. He led a group of fierce soldiers, but was just as fierce himself. He was also a king. It was a reign with many problems and conflicts some of them self-inflicted, but some also caused by disloyalty from inside and enemies from outside. Because we have so much information, we are able to examine many facets of his life and struggles, and many of them are similar to our issues of family, work tensions, personal hostilities, and even moral challenges. It can be hard associating the man that wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want 
with a powerful king at the head of an army, or picture him holding in his calloused hands a sword nicked up from battle. He is exhausted and filthy, fatigued both in body and spirit, having retreated to escape a trap or discouraged from a betrayal, tired, hungry, and maybe near death. This is not an idealized version of David, but the real King David, the ruler, the father, the husband, the warrior, the man. It is the exhausted and hurt David that appears in Psalm 13. And it is here in the Psalms that I can realize the great blessing I am given by David. I am given the very personal insight of listening in on David's prayers to God. And it is not just here in Psalm 13, but many of the Psalms are of a very intimate nature. Some are about failure and asking for forgiveness. Others are confident statements of trust and devotion to God. But some, like Psalm 13, are a plea for help and comfort. There are three ideas to keep in mind when looking at the words of David. If I lose sight of these, I will miss the real value of what I have in the Psalms. The first idea is to remember that David was described as a man after God's own heart. To put this in more modern terms, he had a heart like God's. That statement by itself is startling. But it is made even more remarkable by remembering that I have this intimate window into David's heart, words, feelings, and attitudes by reading the Psalms. I am exposed to someone remarkable not just for what they accomplished, but for who they were on the inside. We have a mentor in David that is holding nothing back or trying to give us just a good impression of themselves. The second idea to keep in mind is that David's very private words were publicly sung. David, having a heart like God's, pours out who he was, good and bad, in public, so that the public could learn what it means to have a relationship with God. David is given this mandate to express and illustrate who he is so that I can see him, not so people would worship David himself, but so I could learn to approach God with a similar attitude, honesty, and devotion. David says, learn from me, mistakes and all, good and bad, to have a heart like God's. The third idea I need to remember is that David also was a vocalizer for God. He did not just write for his amusement, but for the benefit of God's people on behalf of God himself. When I read the Psalms, it is the intimate portrait of David that his God wanted me to see and know. When I understand David's thoughts and words, they are thoughts and words God wanted me to understand and learn from. So, Psalm 13 begins. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The first thing David asks is the how long question. But it is not just a question because the how long question is full of emotion, fear, uncertainty, anxiety, and hurt. 
Four times he repeats the plea. How long? I do not know the moment this psalm was written. I do not know the situation that David is in that prompts this prayer. He mentions later that he may be near death. But what is clear is that David cries out to God. He is not asking for the day and time of his rescue, but voicing his hurt. David then makes his request. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This is a request for attention and understanding. The first part could be literally translated, Look at me. David needs God to see and respond to his situation and request. The second expression says, Light up my eyes. The modern expression might be, Revive me or enlighten me. He asks God to help him deal with the situation through knowledge and wisdom and to help him live through it. So often modern prayers are simply a laundry list of demands. God help me with this illness. God help me get a job. God help my marriage. These kinds of prayers sometimes resemble an order being placed at a fast food drive through I need one large order of forgiveness, two small helpings of patience, and a large Diet Coke. There is no understanding or connection with God, so how can there be any conviction or passion? Non-believers mock the idea of prayer. Bill Maher has called it talking to the invisible man. There is no understanding of why God would hear or respond to a prayer, so it becomes empty words expressing empty desires, while the genuine need for help, comfort, and direction goes unanswered. Also, there is often an expectation of an immediate answer for prayer. If the solution to our crisis does not drop out of the sky at that moment, we are disappointed and discouraged. But what if there was someone who had a personal connection and understanding of the God of heaven? And what if that person shared with me how they approached prayer and making a request to God? That is exactly what I have in Psalm 13. I can learn from David how to properly bring a worry and request to God. My brother once broke his arm playing at a friend's house. He rode his bike four blocks back home, went into the house, and only after seeing our mom did he begin to cry. When I have been hurt, the first thing I do is give voice to my hurt. Those that hear may not be able to help relieve the pain or the problem, but I am better because I have said it. What I ask of God, the requests I make in prayer, have a context. I have emotions, I have fears, I have anxieties, and what I learn here is that God wants to hear about them from me. Then. I can properly form an understanding of what to ask, the proper request made to God. This precludes the fast food prayers by bringing to my mind how broken I am and how much I need God's love and compassion. Speaking of fast food prayers, it is here, after the request that most modern prayers end. But that is not where David ends. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. 
my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David speaks of love and salvation. What has happened between the beginning of the psalm and now? Has the situation been resolved? No. There has barely been time to take one or two breaths, but he acts and speaks like it is already resolved. He trusts God to hear and respond to his need. But then David goes a step further. He is offering worship, praise, and thanks, and speaking of the help, the help that has yet to arrive. But David does not see it that way. He not only acts as if the prayer has been answered, but celebrates the answer God has, or will, give him. How can he do that? Part of the answer is that David has had this relationship with God for a long time. He has no problem looking back and seeing how many times he desperately needed help, took his fears and needs to God in prayer, and, in hindsight, saw the help, comfort, solution, and direction God gave him as an answer. He remembers the giant dead at his feet. He remembers the blessings he has had. He remembers God's forgiveness and the comfort it brought him. He remembers problems that seemed impossible to resolve, problems that were brought to a conclusion. He can turn in confidence, even in the middle of this crisis, and know God's help is with him because it has been there time after time. Another element is to consider how David has spoken of God all the way through. Look at the contrast. Who do we turn to in times of trouble? Why, when we are in desperate need, are we disappointed by others? People, including ourselves, are weak and flawed. People do not always keep their promises. Their strength fails. In the older parts of the Bible, there are a number of different words used to identify or describe God. David uses two in this psalm. The first is the word Lord in verse 1 and 6 or the word for the God of promise. This describes God as the one that makes a promise and keeps it. He also uses Lord my God in verse 3. The phrase means the supreme God. This is the God of power and authority. What David knows is that God has promised to hear the prayers of his people. The hearing is never in question. Also, The God he serves has the power and the wisdom to answer his prayer. Again, never in question. So David has no trouble moving past the hurt and the request part of his prayer and with the very next breath move to gratitude and praise. So let's paint the whole picture. David is the great fighter and king, but the current situation is desperate. His situation has gone from bad to worse and David is at the end of his physical and emotional strength. But as desperate as the situation is, he knows God will never forget him. He pours out his fear to God, pleading with him to answer, How long must this situation continue? He voices his request for clarity and understanding to help him continue the struggle. In his next breath, he says, Thank you, for God's answer to his request, even though it is not yet evident. 
And then he moves beyond the thanks to praise for who God is. Now, let's examine how we pray. We find ourselves in need. We need comfort, help, wisdom, patience, or peace. Instead of the cold, impersonal prayers of the past, we bring all of our being to God. How do we feel? How did I get here? With ruthless honesty, approach God with your heart wide open and share with Him who you really are and what you feel. Hold nothing back of your pain or your shame. Then when all of that is out in the open, make your request. Sometimes when we have been so honest and open, the nature of the request changes. We begin the prayer with one solution in mind, but found in our confession of need a different solution fits better. Maybe a solution that applies to the person and not the situation or environment. But we have learned from looking back that God has provided us with help and comfort before. And we can express our confidence in the power and mercy of God to see us through today's crisis or fear. And then we abase ourselves in gratitude and worship of the God of power and promise. We will listen in on other prayers by David in other podcasts. But know this, there is no doubt whatsoever that sometime in the future, we will need to ask the how long question. We now know that we can go to God with that question and how to ask it. In fact, we can apply this to any moment of need we have, physical or emotional. Open up to God. Make your request. Open up to God. Make your request. Offer gratitude for the blessings of God, past, present, and future. And then praise God for who He truly is, the God of power and promise. Again, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want additional information, you can reach us on the web at truthseekers.org. That's truthseekers.org.